Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. Welcome to the Inside Carolina podcast. I'm your host for this one, John Siegley. I'm joined by Greg Barnes and Ross Martin in what is going to be a weekly podcast for us throughout the rest of the football season. The three of us are going to be doing these on Monday night, going to be talking about Mac Brown's press conferences, the Mac Brown Live, basically just all the kind of media news that's happening in Carolina from over the weekend. To get things started, Greg, how are things going for you, man? Going good, ready to get this thing underway. The the fact that you know, Mac was hired nine months ago, almost to the day. Uh, you know, we, we've talked a lot since then about what he can do with this program. We've talked a lot about how he's won the offseason, and he's done that time and time again, whether it be through his interactions with media and the fan base or through recruiting. But the reason Mac Brown was hired is because of what happens on Saturdays and the occasional Friday or Thursday in the fall. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're there. So we, we have a, uh, we're at game week, which is fun. We've got a game Saturday. So we're, we're literally counting down the hours and for all the circumstance and all the, the fun that we have in the off season, you know, people are fans because of what's going to happen on, on Saturday. And so now that, it's within grasp. I think that that's fun for everybody. Absolutely. Rossi, getting the kind of the uh, nervous jitters there now that knowing that the season is just starting, man, we're going to get the first game in a few days. Yeah, it's definitely fun to have some games to cover. Uh, training camp is, is so long, and you talk to the same players over and over again without much to go on, without seeing much practice, without seeing any games. Um, so it'll be good to talk about a result. Um after Saturday and then you know this packed press conference today for Mac Brown and two coordinators there's a little buzz in the air just got back from Mac Brown live at the top of the hill it was packed there and you had all the regulars all the athletic uh, directors and different uh, you know department personnel and a lot of alumni and things like that so it's definitely a um, it's definitely a, an event and it's it's exciting kind of a, a new regime is in control and you can kind of feel the buzz Absolutely. Well, guys, let's go ahead and break this down. We'll get to the Mac Brown Live and the press conference just here in a second. But, you know, kind of one of the bigger news that have come out in the last few days was the release of the official two deep depth chart. So let's go ahead and begin this podcast by discussing there. And, you know, Greg, we'll go ahead and get your thoughts on here first. When you were looking at the two deep, were there any surprises there that you noticed? No, not really, to be honest with you. Uh, with you know, kind of how closely we have, we have covered this this week uh, and, and throughout training camp. We, we kind of had an idea of how things are going to be going to shape up. I, I really think the, the most interesting things uh, revolve around the suspensions. And, you know, when you look at this, we notice that you know, Chas Rad is listed as a starter at inside linebacker ahead of Dom Ross and Jonathan Smith. Both of those guys will – uh, miss at least a half. Ross, we know, is going to miss at least a half. But at cornerback, uh, you know, when you when you see Patrice Renee as a starter, that makes you wonder. Okay, does that mean Renee starts the first half and Ross misses it and flips it for the second half? But when you talk with Jay Bateman, you know, he he said 
Ross will not play the first half, but also said it wasn't a matter of trying to be sneaky, and they probably should have switched how they had Renee listed. So uh, those are really the, the kind of the key ingredients. But I, I think really what else stands out is just the number of underclassmen dotting this depth chart. We, we knew it. We've known it. But to actually see it, uh, it's, it's, it's pretty remarkable. There's a lot of sophomore and uh, freshman connotations up and down this, this depth chart on both sides of the ball. I was going to say, that also really stood out to me. You know, Ross, when you were looking over the official depth chart there, were there any, you know, kind of big takeaways that, that you got from looking at it? Yeah, I mean, I think you look at the offensive line, you see a lot of players, and we can kind of talk about this more when we get into the nitty-gritty, but you see a lot of players haven't started much or played much at all. Marcus McKeithen, Jordan Tucker, and Ed Montillas all have one start between the three of them. Um, I mean, McKeithen and Montillas haven't played much at all. Um, and Jordan Tucker started the NC State game last year. Um, and then, you know, you have a lot of young receivers, but I think a lot of talented receivers. You see some names and you just think about their recruitment and it kind of it can excite a fan there about what they have this year and, and looking into next year. There's no senior receivers. There's a lot of youth there, which will be good. Um, I think there's some talent this year, but good moving forward as well. And then, yeah, the youth at linebacker, when you take out Dominique Ross, who's going to miss – um, a half on against South Carolina. There's just so much inexperience. Jeremiah Gamel, Chad Surratt, um, those guys, Matthew Flint, just haven't played much at all. And that's a little concerning at the, right in the middle of your defense. Um, and then I think there's a lot of experience on defense. Uh, a lot of seniors, a lot of good seniors, a lot of NFL talent. You've got to think that Strobridge, Fox, and Crawford will all have chances to be drafted or at least make NFL roster. Mac Brown raves about Strobridge, about his NFL potential and how good he's going to be this year. And then Miles Dorn and Miles Warford. And that gives you some reassurance in the back end of your of your secondary. And we all know what Renee can do last year, even though he'll miss um, you know, half of, of the first game. Looking forward to the rest of the season. It's good to see there, too. So, uh, no, you know, all young kickers, new punter, new kicker. Uh, Michael Carr is returning kicks. Daz Newsom returning punts. You like to see those. Your two playmakers getting the ball the most. Other than that, that's about it. Nothing really stood out. We're like, man, that's crazy. Yeah, and you know, Inside Carolina was providing breakdowns from practices for the last week or so. Uh, you both have alluded to that, and you know, I mean, I don't think there were any real big surprises here. I think the the kind of the biggest question mark though were the suspensions that um, you both mentioned already let me ask you guys this though you know normally suspensions especially on the defense can just it it can be crippling depending on who the player is obviously but with Jay Bateman coming in and teaching a new defensive scheme do you think that these suspensions can sort of be mitigated because there is a switch happening this season do you guys see any merit to that I think there's always an advantage to installing a defense at a new place where your opponent is not exactly sure what's going on. And I want to say maybe it was, I think it was 2016. That was one of our talking points in the preseason is that I want to say there was like seven new coaches maybe that North Carolina was playing or at least seven new coordinators. And so North Carolina was going into these games and they were kind of guessing at, at, at some level about what was going to take place because they hadn't played them before. And so I think there is that benefit of you do have tape on what Jay Bateman did at Army, uh, but he's got unique pieces at North Carolina now. 
And until you actually have game film of, look, this is what he's going to try to do, uh, it, it makes it a challenge. And so that's personally, and you know, I'm not a coach. They don't pay me uh, near what coaches make for a reason. But if I'm looking at this, I'm saying, okay, I'm running a brand new scheme that is going to take you know, Will Muschamp and his staff a little bit of time to kind of get a handle on, even though you do have a, you know, I think a fifth year senior in Bentley at South Carolina. Uh, maybe you go ahead and, and, and let those guys serve their suspensions early and get them out of the way. So maybe by the time they kind of pick up on what your tendencies are, if you have any, those guys are back in action for the second half. So I think if there's any benefit, it's, it's the benefit of the unknown. And that's, that's kind of where the scheme. And then when you, you get into you know, Bateman, uh, he, he really likes to disguise what he, what he does. And that's, that's after the fact of teams knowing what he wants to do. And so I think, I think North Carolina may have an advantage early just because of that. And that also gets into, okay, do you want to try to hit early? Because you know you have guys that, that can play and can make plays, or do you want to kind of you know, protect the defense and have those guys available in the second half? So it's, it's a uh, challenging question, complicated question, and again, that's that's why those guys make the big bucks, and I do not. You seem to petition Buck for a raise, Greg. Come on now. I am I am trying as hard as I can with this talk, but I, I don't think he I don't <laughs> think he can. Oh man. Well, Ross, let's go ahead and put you kind of in, in the coach's hot seat there. You know, when you if you're looking at the suspensions, you know that some of your senior leaders have to or upperclassmen leaders have to sit out a half. Do you think that you go with the the first half option or do you choose to elect to have them sit out the second half? Yeah, I would I would go uh sit them out the first half because yeah, kind of like what Greg alluded to. It takes the offense a little bit to get going. Get your it takes a while for your quarterback, even that first game, to get going. So maybe you can steal a couple of possessions that way with just a, a three and out there, a three and out here, and, and that would give um, just more time um, for them to get it back in in the, in the second half. So I would go that, and that's, my, that's kind of the simple answer there. I just think it, it takes all quarterbacks a little bit to get into the game speed, and so they're not as productive in the first half as they might be coming out of half in the third uh, third quarter, fourth quarter. That's my simple, brief answer. All right, guys. Well, let's go ahead and take a very quick commercial break to talk about our friends over at Johnny T-Shirt and JohnnyT-Shirt.com. They are a longtime sponsor of Inside Carolina. They are a must-go place on Franklin Street there for anyone who wants to pick up Tar Heel gear. They are solely focused on UNC as well. They have the brand new Mac is back shirts. You can stop in there on game days on Saturdays that are going to be coming up very soon. You can stop by their shop there on Franklin Street, or you can shop at giantt-shirt.com. They have excellent customer service, the best selection for your Tar Heel gear needs. And remember that if you are an Inside Carolina subscriber, you get 10% off of your order either there on Franklin Street or at giantt-shirt.com. That code is on the premium message boards, so make sure that you do go there, get that 10% off code, shop at Giant T-Shirt and GiantT-Shirt.com. All right, let's keep the podcast rolling, guys, and let's go ahead and talk about the Mac Brown press conference. So, I mean, Mac Brown, you know, he's talked to the media a lot. Uh, Greg mentioned earlier that, you know, that's kind of one of the things that Mac was really try- trying to focus on is winning the PCs, winning over the media. But this was his first game week press conference. And Inside Carolina was there in full force. So let's go ahead and get y'all's thoughts. Uh, Greg, I've been starting with you all the time, so I'm going to switch it over to Ross. Uh, you know, Ross, when you were there at the PC, 
What was your kind of overall impression of how Mac Brown was preparing for this game against South Carolina on Saturday? Yeah, I don't okay. think it was uh, anything about how I prepared. I don't think anything really stood out that way. Just he spent a lot of time talking about the suspensions and kind of gave a lecture on on why we should not be fighting in games, which was a, a little uh, long-winded. Um, I thought it's interesting. They kind of started it by mentioning how there's been no significant injuries that are – no one's injured at this point uh, at the end of preseason camp the week before the game. I mean, that's substantial compared to what's happened in the last two seasons. I think that's a credit to kind of how they've – dealt with treatment after practices, uh, Brian Hess's impact on the team and what they've done that way, and, and just watching and regulating and maybe a little bit of good luck and moving into the the new practice field and the new indoor facility. So and that's a that's one thing that kind of stands out about Mac Brown's regime starting in 2009. Um, that was cool. Um, other than that, I mean, in terms of preparation, I don't know if anything really stood out. I mean, Chad Surratt, I think, is a, is a talking point that – both Bateman and um, and Mac Brown have talked about it because he is now listed as the first team. He's going to be someone to watch, I and mean, it's got to be super intriguing to see how he's going to do moving from quarterback. And now it seems like he's going to start the game um, for UNC, I and mean, that's just a storyline to follow and his impact, having not played linebacker in real games since early in high school. And another thing, actually, is how he's mentioned how like there's a lot of lack of leadership on. Uh, the offensive side of the ball. There's a lot of veterans on defense, but he was just – he kind of harped on how quiet the quarterbacks are, how quiet the um, offensive line is. You know, Charlie Heck and Nick Polino are, are by nature not vo- very vocal guys. Um, they lead by example. And so he's just kind of went in depth about, you know, this team's really quiet and he wants a lot more out of them in terms of leadership and more on offense than on defense. I think that was kind of an interesting note from uh, for the press conference. All right, Greg, and then what were your highlights from the PC today? Yeah, I think Ross kind of hit on it. Um, Surface level, just from a a reporter standpoint, is uh, Gregory Hall, our intern, who we need to get him on this podcast. Uh, He does our opponent previews, and we're used to getting very little from Larry Fedora. This is kind of how he's been. He doesn't say a whole lot about opponents or really about anything. But Gregory asked him about <laughs> South Carolina. We've got like three long paragraphs of Mac breaking down what he thinks Will Muschamp is going to do on both sides of the ball, which is just incredible. It's fantastic. I mean, just <laughs> and Mac's very much like we have a freshman quarterback. Like, why wouldn't he just like send the house and make him make plays? Like, it's not that complicated. And I feel like we've had that conversation on this podcast so many times. Like it's football, it's a game, right? I mean, these guys, these guys, you, their job is to catch a ball, um, and we, we make it a lot more difficult than it is. So it's it's kind of refreshing to hear Mac talk that way, uh, not really dumb it down, but just kind of acknowledge it for the the game that it is. So that's that was refreshing and enlightening. But I think Ross hit on the probably the thing that stood out to me more than anything is about how quiet this team is. And Mac suggested that maybe it's because you know, things have been so bad the last couple of years. Um, and it's not like, you know, coming out of 2016, this team thought they were going to stink. They didn't. And I really think they kind of got punched in the face a couple of times with how quickly things spiraled out of control. Um, and so they were a little bit shell-shocked. And it, I agree with him that that's, 
you can kind of tell that the confidence shift in recent years. And that's what they've worked so hard as a staff this offseason, trying to repair that and say, look, guys, y'all, y'all are good. Y'all are talented. Y'all can compete. But until the guys get on the field and until they face adversity, they're, they're not going to believe it necessarily. They think they can. They won't know they can until they actually respond. And that's one of the things that, that Mac has talked about is, uh, even on his, his radio show is you, you, you start to, to feel better about yourself when you're in adversity because you're seeing how you respond. And, that, hey, you know what? This is tough, but I got it. I, I can do this. And uh, just the fact that you know, he was harping on how quiet they are and there's not really talkers, that's problematic you know, initially because that's not going to be good on Saturday because there will be a lot of South Carolina fans there. But I, I think you'll see a significant change in, in those things as the season goes along. That goes back into what we've talked about, how this is going to be a growing process. You know, fans thinking that North Carolina is going to come out of the gate swinging at, you know, hitting at all cylinders, uh, most likely that will not happen. It's going to be a, a work in progress, but that's the first crucial step, I think. Uh, let me hop in here real quick. A question for Greg. Uh, Greg, who is your favorite uh, player to interview in terms of maybe personality that you know you get a good quote from or, or maybe something interesting or just something funny? For you, who I think it will be yeah, for this for, year? For UNC, yeah, just from training camp and stuff. Well, I think there's a couple money quotes. Um, I think Antonio Williams, you can always go to him. Uh, I think Nick Polino is very upfront and honest. I think if you want a coach speak answer, Charlie Hex, your guy. Uh, <laughs> but then I think you've got you – know, offensive linemen are always good quotes. Yeah. That's just kind of how they are. Um, my, my point here is that I was kind of thinking – I was talking to Patrick James, who works for uh, Go Heels, and we couldn't really think of like a good personality outside maybe Michael Carter – Antonio Williams is a good answer, but it kind of lends into that quietness and, and lack of just kind of guys that stand out on this team right now is that there's, I don't, there's not a go-to guy I can think of like, man, this guy's going to be a really good, kind of insightful, interesting, funny quote. Um, you know, something you kind of enjoy talking to. And I haven't found that yet with this team outside of those two running backs, I think. Because there's not much personality at quarterback yet. There's not much personality on the offensive line. Yes, Polino and Hecker are good guys and are knowledgeable to talk to. But outside of that, I mean, there's no really no defender that really stands out. Like, I just remember 2015 with Jeff Schottmer and Shaquille Rashad. Like, they were great interviews. They were leaders. They were, they were big-time players on that team. And they were they are also just, just great quotes, whether for, you know, insightful, interesting stuff or just for a guy to talk to. So that was kind of my what I want to add in there. Yep. I haven't found yep. that person yet. Right, and I think a lot of that is what we were just talking about with with regard to having success and being around the program and being experienced. I mean, that 2015 team, okay, a lot of those guys were on the 2012 team as young guys, which had a lot of success initially. 13, uh, bad start, but they came on strong late. 14 was kind of a mess. But then 15, when things got rolling, they had been through so much, they were finally having success and having fun. They had great perspective, and they were they were willing to talk, and they were open about things. And Marquise was a great talker, and you had you know, Switzer was confident in his abilities. You know, Mac Collins used to talk trash, which was great because he he knew how good he was. He didn't have to prove it; he already knew. And Shotmer and Shaquille were kind of the same way. They they were they were leaders on that defense. I think that's a lot a lot of it. I think the last couple of years has been so tough on these guys uh, that you. 
maybe they're they're worried about saying the wrong thing. Maybe they want to talk trash, but they're not in position to. A lot of different things. I mean, you, uh, Jeremiah Clark, who, who's always been a great quote, he was always a great guy, uh, but he made the comment after the ECU game last year about you know, overlooking ECU. And he got a lot of flack of a lot of flack for that on the message board because they're like, "You won three games last year. How do you overlook ECU?" Um, and so I think those kind of things play into all this. And so you do kind of get this. Uh, you, you kind of find yourself in the corner trying to protect yourself. You don't want to say anything. You don't have that confidence to project success and all those kind of things. And so I agree with you, Ross. I think that'll be something fascinating to watch. Is if this team is playing well midseason, how do those personalities emerge? I think the personalities now compared to what we're going to see like in two years are going to be dramatically different. And I mentioned Shaq and, and Shot and, you know, I mean, Marquise Williams, Ryan Switzer, like you said, huge personalities, Buck Howard, Mac Hollins, Elijah Hood. I love talking to Elijah Hood. Landon Turner was a great quote. Um, yep. Nazir Jones as well. Um, those are some of the guys. I mean, that, I, yeah, the offensive players, his playmakers were, were awesome to talk to as well. It was a, a team full of personalities that was winning too, and that was fun. Let me ask you guys this because, you know, you talked about uh, QBs like Marquise, and it's kind of the, the trope that you want your quarterback to be a vocal leader on the team because it is the most important position on the field. But UNC is playing to start true freshman Sam Howell against South Carolina, and his backup is Jay Zruder, who played, I think it was just the one game last year before he got hurt. Correct me if I'm wrong on that. So you know, when you guys are talking to them, do you get the sense that they could become a more vocal leader and be someone that you know does talk to the media and kind of explains what's going on with the team? Do you get that sense from either of the guys, Greg? Yeah, I mean, last year, let, let's go there real quick. Say what you will about Nathan Elliott. After any tough game, which there was a lot of them, he never hesitated to come out and talk to us. And he had the option of saying, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm just not going to do it today. He never did that. So whatever you want to say about him and his ability, he was always willing to come out there and look you in your eyes and give you a straight answer, regardless of the tough question. Um, and that is a, a confidence. That's a maturity. A lot of different things go into that. Uh, that speaks to his parents, how he's raised. Um, and so in talking with the, the quarterbacks thus far, you get the respect. You get the, you, they're going to look you in your eyes but it's still early for them. And so uh, I think all the pieces are there for these guys to make that next step. But in order to get there, they've got to play in games. They've got to have success. They have to have failures. I mean, this is not an easy game. And so I think once we get to that point, these guys will make, make a lot of uh, growth in that regard. But like Max said today, I mean, both those guys have shown a, a tremendous amount of leadership. Their teammates have said the same thing. I think that bodes well for the future. And Mac Brown even had the quote today that he will plan on playing both quarterbacks against South Carolina. I mean, it's something that, you know, Carolina fans have been wondering. So, Ross, when you heard that, that he will probably play both guys, what was your kind of takeaway from that? Do you think that Mac Brown was just kind of blowing some smoke, or do you think that he was sincere in, in making that comment? Yeah, so he said that at uh, Mac Brown Live tonight, and it was the first time I had kind of heard him say, 
you know, a kind of a, a definite, we're going to play two quarterbacks. The quote was, we'll probably play two quarterbacks. Uh, that was the, the most uh, uncertainty, I believe, that he has said that. But it, I think all camp and even today at the press conference and speaking with Phil Longo, there was a sense there they're going to get both guys to play, whether that's in this game uh, versus South Carolina or in the first couple games um, on the season, on the schedule, rather. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it's shocking because I think as fans, you know, and as people watching uh, football, college football, you, you kind of want to pick a guy and go with him. You know, if you the whole saying, if you have two quarterbacks, you really don't have any quarterbacks. You got to go with one guy, let him ride out, let him, let him take his lumps, let him learn. Um, so that, that's kind of what I think about, you know, but you, you hear about how close they are in terms of talent. Um, how was a really close competition between Jace Ruder, Cade Fortin, and Sam Howe, and Sam Howe won out. But I think it's a difficult for receivers, for running backs, for offensive linemen to deal with two different voices. The cadence is different on snaps. Um, the voice inflection is different on snaps when you're you're calling out the hut huts. Um, where how you operate in the um, in the backfield with your drops is a little bit different. So it's easier to block for a quarterback. You kind of know where he's going to be with his three-step, five-step, seven-step drop. Um, so especially for tackles, kind of blocking a defensive end. I think that, that plays a role where it's just the consistency of one guy is is huge. Um, so we'll see. We've, we've kind of dealt with two quarterbacks, three quarterbacks the last two seasons. Hasn't been successful. Some of that was because of injury. Some of that was because they just didn't know who they had and who, what, they, what they wanted to go with. But um, – I think it's Greg's turn to kind of take this question. I think it's an interesting thing, and I'm, I'm really intrigued to see how they do it. Are they going to go with kind of a, a scripted, you know, third, like the third series, they're going to go with Jace, or is it going to be kind of depending on how um, Sam Howe plays? I know Phil Longo said that they're telling the quarterbacks to prepare as if they were starters, both of them. So, I mean, that's what you, I guess that's what you tell them anyway. But Phil Longo stressed that, which which makes me think that, they're definitely looking to play both. Um, so who knows what's going to happen on Saturday. That's, I'm really intrigued to, to learn. Yeah, I think Ross is right that there is a difference with the quarterback that is, is back there. And I think for, for long-term stability, it would be better if you have one primary guy. That's just my opinion. A lot of people share that opinion. A lot of people disagree with that. Uh, Mac Brown has done it both ways. You know, he primarily rotated quarterbacks his first time in, in Chapel Hill. Didn't really do it at Texas. Uh, so it can be done both ways for sure. Uh, having said that, I think when you look at the fact that North Carolina only has two scholarship quarterbacks, the fact that uh, injuries have been so prevalent, like, like Mac has said, North Carolina played four quarterbacks last year, and three of them got hurt. So you have to be prepared. And um, it, it kind of gets into the how are you playing this year? Uh, North Carolina clearly is playing to win every game, but you're also preparing for the future. And this isn't end-all, be-all. Like, like Roy Williams always says, he, he's building the program, not just you know, to win this particular game, if that makes sense. And I think that's an important distinction. And so – it is critical that both of these guys get some experience. Um, you know, Larry Fedora, like like Ross mentions, he didn't want to cause a problem with guys thinking, oh, man, you know, I'm getting pulled for this guy because I had a bad series. And so what Larry would do is he's like, look, when you're going in, you're playing third series. Like, we know that going in. 
Don't get your feelings hurt. doesn't matter what you do first two possessions. That's what we're going to do. Uh, and so I get it. But also, you know, a lot of people say, well, what, what if you're in a rhythm? Which is kind of how I look at it. And I think that's one of the things that, that Phil kind of alluded to is, you know, if a guy's out there and he's, he's moving the offense, why pull him out? It doesn't make sense. You, you go with the hot hand and this is like basketball. Um, but you, if, if things are tough for both quarterbacks and neither is kind of moving the ball, you know, feel free to kind of mix things up. And I, I think that will be interesting to see how they do that. I do think both guys need experience. Both guys need to play. How you do that is is personal preference. And so that's really going to be up not only to Longo, but to Mac. And that's that's one of the more fascinating things to me is Mac has final say, but Longo has the way he wants to do it. We don't know if those mesh or not. And that that's part of kind of learning your coaching staff, getting those things ironed out first, and then transferring it to the players. Let's take another quick commercial break, guys. And when we get back, let's actually dig down a little bit deeper into the interviews that you guys had with defensive coordinator Jay Bateman and offensive coordinator Phil Longo. They were also available for the media today. So we'll be right back and we'll talk about that in just a minute. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. And we are back with the Inside Carolina podcast. John Siegley here with Ross Martin and Greg Barnes talking about the UNC media availability and just kind of covering a bunch of topics in general. So, guys, let's go ahead and start talking about the fact that offensive coordinator Phil Longo and defensive coordinator Jay Bateman, they were also available to speak to the media today. Something that's kind of new. I mean, I certainly don't recall that happening under the Larry Fedora administration. So, you know, kind of what were the highlights? What were the takeaways from hearing those guys talk? Let's us split it up. So, you know, Greg, I'll let you pick. Do you want to talk about what Phil Longo said or about what Jay Bateman said? I don't really care, to be honest. Um, <laughs> Flip I, a coin. You take Longo. You take Longo, Greg. Okay, I'll take Longo. Um, yeah. Go ahead, Ross. Well, I was going to say, John, we got to talk to uh, Coach Cap and Coach um, Papuchas after practice on, like, Wednesdays uh, last year. So it's not new. Uh, it's okay. kind of a different format. It's a little more formal. It's on Mondays on the podium. Um, so yeah. that we were allowed. It's great. It's great to talk to the coordinators. You have a lot of good insight. 
Um, Cap and Pat Papuchas were great with us. Uh, that was kind of the highlight I thought of of media time since Fedora didn't tell us anything. Yeah, um, so I, I it's should... not new. It's still a little, a little bit format this year. Gotcha. Yeah, I should have specified. I meant like you know with, with the press conferences for sure. Like, I, I yeah. don't remember that, but yeah, go ahead, Greg. Let's dig into to what uh, Longo said, man. Yeah, to, to echo what what Ross said, uh, it was always a, a key component for our coverage to get whether it be Cap or Gene Chizik or John Papuchas after practice, because those guys are the ones that, that gave us a lot of like legitimate insight into into the team and you know, who was playing well, who was struggling, where some of the issues were. Um, and so this, it is a little bit unique because those guys get updated during the week of practice preparing for a team. Whereas you know, in talking with Longo and Bateman today, obviously that's before, uh, before game week really begins. And granted, they've been covering, they've been working on South Carolina since last week. So just a little bit different. Um, but the fact that we get the coordinators is great. Anytime we can do that's uh, perfect. But as you might imagine, Phil Longo talked a lot about uh, quarterbacks. And one thing we'd heard about you know, Sam Howe, and one of the reasons he kind of stepped forward is leadership. And I know a lot of people say, well, wait a minute, you know, Fortin and Reuter, were, they've already been here for a year. Uh, but when you start thinking about, okay, well, Howe's a gunslinger. And to be that type of quarterback, you've got to have the ability, one, but you also have to have a lot of confidence. You have to have a lot of moxie. And uh, that's one thing that, that really stood out to me about what Longo said is that you know, when he was recruiting Sam back at Ole Miss a couple of years ago, he really thought Sam had that it factor. And I know we throw that around some and people don't know exactly know how to quantify that and exactly what that means. But I've always kind of considered, you know, kind of confidence to make plays and the ability to make plays. And if you can do that, then, then you can help a team go from average to good or good to great or great to elite. And we'll have to see how that plays out. But it's something that he's seen in a while for a while with, with Sam and the fact that he's, he's shown good leadership. And even you know, Charlie Hack, uh, you know, kind of picked on him a little bit earlier about you know, being kind of a coach speak guy, which he is. But when we talked to him after the open practice last week, I mean, he was he was pretty firm in saying, yeah, you know, he's Sam has has won the guys over. You know, his work ethic is great. Uh, he, he's shown some leadership abilities, so everybody's behind him. And it wasn't it wasn't just him kind of saying the bit. It, you could kind of tell that he meant it, and that that's important. And that, for me, that was kind of my main takeaway: is we've heard Max say that, we've heard some of the players say it. Well, here's the offensive coordinator saying the exact same thing. Um, and then the other part of it too is. The fact that you, Jace and Sam, are still going to be rotating snaps. Both guys are being asked to prepare starters. Uh, both guys are learning the same game plan. There's going to be a package specifically for Jace, but there's also the option to play Jace, uh, which are different things. You know, whether Jace comes in and does the exact same thing they're asking Sam to do in terms of entire package, entire game plan, or are they going to use Jace in specialty situations? And that's going to be a game-by-game, situation-by-situation situation. situation. Uh, but as long as, as long as Sam is playing well, you may see a unique package for Jace. If Sam's struggling, Jace can come in and take over for the you know, entire second half. That's how this thing's going to play because these guys have been you know, so close in competition. Uh, but in, in listening to Longo today, I think he has a lot of confidence in these guys. Um, it's, it's not... 
it's not a matter of you, the trust. It's okay. These guys have the ability. Now we have to get them experience and there's going to be bumps in the road with that. It's not, I don't know how good these guys are. We're kind of hoping things work out. It's none of that. It's let's get them through some adversity. Let's see how they react. And then we'll have a much better idea of what they can and can't do. And I'll, I'll jump in here to add on to any Longo talk. Uh, I won't touch on the quarterbacks. Um, but I think, I think the offensive line is, is pretty interesting. Combining what Longo said to what Mac Brown said on Mac Brown Live tonight, um, it seems like center was, was truly an issue. They, they couldn't find a guy at center that really fit what they needed to do. You had J.J. McCargo uh, medically retire after uh, last season. We learned that. And then so that kind of left a gap, I guess, kind of in the recruitment cycle. It tried Anderson. I don't think it could work. Uh, I don't think he was ready in terms of maybe the physicalness that he needed that spot. Maybe, maybe he's add more weight and strength. Um, I think they tried Ty Murray a little bit, and he got hurt. And obviously, he's a true freshman. There's going to be some issues with that. So they went with Nick Polino, who they knew could get the job done. Um, they probably want to play him rather at guard, his strength, but he's going to play at center. Um, and you, you might look to Ty Murray or even Anderson jumping in later on. But because of that, they needed a new uh, left guard. And Marcus McKeithen kind of seized that spot midway through camp. It was a kind of you, you notice the changes when you come and watch practice. You see one guy with the ones, and all of a sudden there's another guy with the ones. So it kind of perks your attention. Because Marcus McKeithen is a giant guy. So now I think this is what I was, the point I was trying to make. They have a huge offensive line. Polino and Edmond Tillis are, are kind of smaller. They're, they're both over 300 pounds or close to it and 6'2", 6'3". But Jordan Tucker uh is i wrote these down hang on jordan tucker is your right guard he's 67 335 he's massive and then charlie heck is 68 315 uh and marcus mckeithen your what left guard is 67 332 they're huge guys so they're gonna have some bodies and they can they can be quick and work on their fit, footwork you'll be able to move some people uh on the defensive line so they're gonna lean on the run game i think that's important to note mac brown stressed it today you're going to lean on these veteran running backs. They're going to trust their running backs. And I think with an offensive line with some big bodies, they'll be able to move some defensive linemen and, and get the job done there. So um, young but big with, with definitely some veteran experience there with Polino and Heck are my major takeaways with uh, kind of the offense and Phil Longo's time with the media today. Yeah, and I'd, I'd add this, that on the radio show tonight, Mac mentioned that Tom Murray missed, I think, 10 days. I want to say he had a concussion. I believe that's correct. Uh, and then Tristan Miller, who Ross and I talked early in camp about how he was getting some ones, some works with, with the ones at right guard. Uh, he also had something come up. I'm not sure if it was injury or what. Uh, but both of those guys are, are expected to be back and to compete. I think Murray is expected to maybe take that center job at some point. But Miller's another guy who had played himself into position early in camp, even though he's a true freshman, uh, of you're getting some some first team reps, so I think that speaks to kind of the depth they have. Uh, but but injuries sideline those guys enough, where you know, McKeithen and Polino really kind of took hold at those spots. All right, let's switch it over to the defense now. And Jay Bateman, Ross, take us away. What was your kind of impression from what he said today? So there's definitely a lot of Chaz Surratt talk, and I know we've talked about this a little bit before, but I was kind of taken back by how much confidence Bateman verbally stated that he has in, in Chaz. He, uh, 
he says he's a really, really special athlete. I'm really excited to see him play. He's going to be a good player for us. Um, you know, he said Chaz is not a concern of his. He's not worried about Chaz Surratt's, uh his play at linebacker. And I, was, I mean, it's surprising. The guy hasn't played any snaps at linebacker. And it doesn't seem like Bateman was that concerned about Surratt. Um, I, that stood out to me. I think defensive line depth, I feel like I've written about this so much in these little you know galleries we do with some quotes. And I know Greg asked this question today, but the depth of defensive line is, is much less of a concern than it was uh, entering camp. Uh, behind Crawford and Strobridge, you have Ray Bohasic, the Juco transfer, Jill Taylor, Tamari Fox. All those guys are going to play a role. They seem really high on Tamari Fox. It's obviously Taman Fox's brother, but he's more of a defensive lineman than an outside linebacker, defensive inside player. And you got to expect Ray Bohasic, who was listed with the first team on the defensive line, um, to play a big role this season. He's a big-bodied guy, 6'3", 280. I think he's pushing more 300, I think, is what we've learned. So that's a new name that I think uh, fans should, should be aware of, aware of Ray Bohasic on the defensive line. And those are, those are my major things that I took away. Yeah, the, the main thing I took away is I'm fascinated by how people, regardless of sport, judge their unit's efficiency. You know, Roy Williams always talks about the first things he looks at on a stat sheet is uh, defensive field goal percentage. He also looks at your rebound percentage and then turnovers. Those are kind of the key things that he looks at every single time. And depending on the coaches that you talk to, you get different answers. I found it fascinating that uh, Jay Bateman does not look at how many yards his opponent gets, how many yards per play even, right? The key stats for him are negative plays, turnovers, and percentage. That's it. So as we judge this defense moving forward, that gives us an idea of, okay, what's important to this guy? How can we accurately gauge this defense? And so the, the point of that being, it doesn't matter if an offense averages six yards on first down. If on second down, you know, they're losing two yards on average. Because all of a sudden that gets you back to a situation where you're in third and long, and that's kind of what Jay's wanting. You know, if you put an offense behind the chains and you put them in difficult situations, that's where turnovers come from. That's also how you can win third down. And so I think more than anything, we're really going to be looking at sacks and tackles for loss. And the good thing there is North Carolina, for all their issues last year, they did a pretty good job with sacks and tackles for loss. So I think he's got some some capability there when you add in the fact that they like some of the pass rushers. You know, Ross mentioned earlier, they like Strobridge a lot. I mean, we've heard more about him than probably anybody else's camp, including Crawford. Uh, but they like Tamon Fox. They think Dom Ross can do a lot of different things. They really like Trey Morrison. He does a ton of blitzing back in spring ball. So you're going to see pressure coming from a lot of different spots with the idea of you create those negative plays so that either you can create turnovers or you can have you know, a good opportunity to win on third down. And that's how we're going to be able to judge this defense. So that that was the main thing that stood out to me. All right, guys, let's go ahead and start wrapping up this podcast. Ross, you were actually there at the Mac Brown Live. We've talked about it a lot over this podcast. What was kind of the the energy from the crowd? I mean, what, was it packed there? Where were the Tar Heel fans showing up? Was there excitement about Saturday's game? I mean, it was it was packed. I don't think it was anything that it was it wasn't like it was kind of standing room only. But uh, you know, all all the heads there you would expect with. Um, 
you know, Rick Steinbacher and, and Corey Holiday and Bubba Cunningham and Quint Galtney had his table like usual. And you had a lot of alums there. And what I thought really stood out was <laughs> I mean, Mac would go on these three, four minute rants. He was preaching. He was telling fans to get there 30 minutes early. He was telling fans not to talk during the show uh, and only talk during the breaks. He was very luxury and, and, you know, getting fans going and getting them to come to the games, game against Miami and all that good stuff. Um, so it was definitely a positivity, a definitely a different vibe than Larry Fedora. Um, I would say Max more of, you know, the cheerleader and very positive and grandfatherly and wants to be, you know, the guy everybody likes and, and you could get that sense, but it was, uh, it was a little bit different, but you know, I think it's all about winning. And if, if the, coach is winning then there'll be people showing up to that show that's how it goes with with football i think yeah and then greg you know what's kind of your take on having like a mac brown live show like what are some of the positives do you think that can come from having the head coach be so accessible to the, the general public like that well it's, it's part of the contract to be honest i mean that's that's part of the deal <laughs> is, is providing access with with all the coaches um through their Learfield contract i mean that's that's what it is now, how you utilize that is, is kind of up to the coach. And mm. if you happen to listen to the show on Monday night, I mean, there's no doubt Mac has done everything he can to encourage support, uh, to reach out to former players and managers and coaches. And so all those things are important. And you have to build that community. And um, I really think Mac learned a lot of things when he left the first time. Uh, there's probably some things that frustrated him about how the, the Chapel Hill community was. That maybe he didn't understand and that we've talked a lot about on this podcast. I think he knows kind of how this, this place works. And I think he's pushing all the right buttons. Uh, but as Bubba Cunningham told me, the first time I ever sat down with him after he was hired back in 2011, it comes down to winning. Regardless of what you do, marketing, branding, you name it. You have to win, and that gets us back to what happens on Saturday. It's going to be a very tough game for North Carolina, but this is kind of the start of it. And um, the more that Mac wins, the more people will buy into what he says and the opportunity that is there for for a lot of growth with this fan base over the next couple of years. Absolutely. All right, you guys. Well, if there's anything else that you think that we uh, missed on this one, let's go ahead and get it now. Otherwise, I think we can go ahead and wrap it up. I think that's it. Touch on a lot of good things there. All right. Sounds good. Greg, anything else that, that we missed on? I think we hit everything. All right. Well, like I said at the very beginning, this will be kind of a standard weekly podcast. So for everyone listening in, stay tuned. These will be recorded on Monday, be airing late Monday night, early Tuesday morning. So we hope you all enjoy it. From everyone here at Inside Carolina, thank you very much for listening. And we'll talk with everyone again soon. Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by T-Shirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase.